Welcome to the Love Out Loud podcast. And if you're new to our tribe, on behalf of the entire global family, just so you know, we love you. You're a part of a collective of millions now in over 40 countries around the world devoted to revolutionizing our views on love, global leadership, challenging systems of fear, and creating a new earth together. Love Out Loud takes you on a journey of learning how to love yourself and realizing your unlimited potential so that together we can create a unified and compassionate world. Our membership is the heart of our ever-growing global family and we would love to see you in there. Join us for free now by clicking the link below. I always thought that I would be interviewing you on our podcast, Kate, but I never thought it would be in this capacity. But that's just the the beautiful surprise that is life and the unfolding that continues to um, be Love Out Loud. So I first just want to welcome you onto the Love Out Loud podcast and let you know how appreciated and loved you are by me and by this whole community and to really set an intention for the community listening to this to really just hear and receive Kate fully in the journey that has been the past year and three months of, of building Love Out Loud from its embryonic phase through now. And for you to really feel like a beautiful sense of closure and like I just shared before we jumped on, um, a sense of catharsis as well. So I don't know if you've listened to any episodes thus far, but really there's, there's no small talk. We generally just dive straight straight into it. Yeah. So let's do that. I want to know where you were at a year and three months ago in the months or weeks leading up to the first ever Yukai retreat in your life's journey. What, what was the life of Kate like? What, what were the sort of things that you were thinking? What were the frames that you were seeing reality through at that point in your journey? What were my frames? Um, probably to sum it up, I, we stopped at a gin distillery on the way to the retreat. <laughs> and um, we, I think we bought two, if not three, bottles of gin or rum, had cocktails on our way. Um, I also had a bottle of red wine and white wine in my bag just because I didn't know what I might want to drink while I was there. Um, yeah, that was that probably sums up the lens. Um, I, I would, yeah, on any given night I could just have half a bottle of wine, if not a whole bottle of wine, just from getting home from work to cooking dinner to, um, so, yeah, that, that was probably a really big big part of my life without even knowing it. Um, and, and I'd started to get a little bit better, but still like really reactive and quite adrenally driven. Um, had horrendous relationships, romantic relationships. Um, yeah, my, I'd always kind of put my kids first, but I was still a very snappy and busy mum as well. Um, yeah, that would, that, that would, yeah, that would, that would pretty much sum up nearly every aspect of my life. Yeah. And if you, at that point, would have to summarize your kind of view on life or your life philosophy in one sentence, what would that have been? Oh God. Um, That's a really good question, Nick. I 
We're just getting the context. We have to set the context before we take everyone on the journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was probably, it's really hard because I was probably running away from a lot and not really wanting to to face things. Like I thought I was going to a yoga retreat where someone else was just going to cook for me for four days. Like I had no idea what I'd even signed up for um, (laughs) going to the retreat. So, um, and that was just kind of what I did. I was like, and it was, I, I was saying, yep, just escape from life, not have to keep anyone alive or feed anyone or have responsibility for four days. So I obviously wasn't in a great place with, with what I was doing. Yeah. How did you feel at that point when you thought about your future? Like what, what was the vision? Did you have one? Yeah, so I had um, I'd very recently quit work. I'd worked in real estate um, for quite a long time and I'd recently left that move country and just started a university degree um, just so that I could slow down was my... Um, so I, I, in a way I was already kind of on a journey of knowing that working 60-hour weeks and things like that was not was not great for me. But I was also running away from a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as far what, as... What were those fears? Um, what were those fears in running away? Oh, not wanting... Like, I, I was just trying to find a way. Like, I knew that I couldn't stay that stressed person anymore. You know, like, I knew that I couldn't be... I couldn't be the... I couldn't be a mum. I, I couldn't be a good mum anyway while I was doing that job, which was a very... Um, like, my boss and I had a very codependent relationship between the two of us. Um, yeah, and there was just... That would have been... Yeah, trying and trying, like I was trying to reconnect, trying to move home to be closer to my family, trying to, without without consciously knowing it, that's what the move back to Australia was for and to do uni. But I didn't, yeah, it wasn't something that I was consciously aware of. I just knew that what I was doing wasn't working. Yeah. Mm. So there was a part of your soul that was looking for change, maybe subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, And then you found yourself at a Love Out Loud retreat, which has a tagline with the question, what are you searching for? Didn't even read it. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. it um, my sister-in-law just said, hey, this, this chick that spoke at our mental health weeks running a retreat, it's her first one. She's really great. We should do it. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So then you get there and mm. quickly realise that, that it was not necessarily going to be what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Wasn't was that, that? Oh, no, it was that quickly. It, probably when we got there and we were having cups of tea, I still thought that maybe we were going to have a spa and a massage. Um, but when we started... Um, when we did the Welcome to Country, it just totally dropped me in. And, yeah, probably things haven't been the same since better than that. <laughs> yeah. So I reckon there are still some listeners listening to this podcast that maybe are still unfamiliar with the term dropped in or dropping into a space. Was that a term that at that time you had ever heard of before 
Or had you ever experienced feeling dropped into a space? No, not ever. No. And, um, yeah, I remember so Feather came into the dining hall and I was like... Feather was our beautiful um, traditional owner. Yeah, yeah. And um, she just used so much humour in the stories that she told and... And just I automatically felt a connection with her. But when we went down to to the bridge and we had to, even on the way to the bridge, like feeling the rocks, you could feel the heat coming out of the rocks and just the energy of the land coming through your feet. And so I didn't wear shoes on, on the way down there. Um, and then I could actually, so her ancestors had to talk to our ancestors to cross the bridge and um like I could literally feel them there. And this wasn't, at, at this time, this wasn't, this connection wasn't something that I was familiar with. Like there were times when I knew that my grandmother was with me, but it was it was never to the extent of what um, what I'd felt that night and continued mm-hmm. to sense. Mm. How were you processing that consciously at that, at that point? I wasn't. I was totally just in it. I didn't think about anything else. Like I could literally feel the earth coming up through my feet and I could feel, I I could feel just the presence around us. And then to be welcomed across the bridge and the fire ceremony and yeah, was. Mm. And then what happened? And then um, I was just woken up at probably 4.30 in the morning. It was still maybe quarter to five, still pitch black. Oh, that was on the second day. Yeah. I thought that was the, the morning of when you and I had that conversation. So that was, that was actually earlier on in the retreat, okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so you were waking up at 4.30 in the morning? Yeah. Um, pitch middle black. of winter. Middle of winter. Huge phobia of Australian bush after living in New Zealand where nothing kills you for 15 years. Um. And was just like pulled, like I'd never, yeah, another thing that I'd never experienced like it and was just like actually pulled up into this direction of, of, it was like a, um, I don't know how to explain it, it was like a dirt road that had nothing to do with the centre that we were at, but I just knew I had to walk up there. We keep all of our participants safe at the Love Out Loud retreat. (laughs) Oh, everyone was asleep and didn't have any idea where I was. I should have probably left a note now that I see the big theme of it. But I had my phone. That was the only thing I had was, like, the light on my phone and I just remember walking through the bush. I was actually laughing because I wasn't scared. Was, um, I was actually, like, laughing out loud thinking, righto, like, saying out loud, righto, I'm going, don't know where I'm going, not scared, should be. Like, I was always trying to, like, kill the silence with my own voice. But it was just actually, like, just taken to this spot on the side of this hill. And so my, I knew that I had to see the sunrise from somewhere. Like, I knew inherently that that's what I was pulled to do. Um, even though, again, at that point, this wasn't anything that I was particularly familiar with is this type of energy yeah um and yeah got onto the side of this hill like this clearing um and I thought like my conscious mind was like oh no I always watch sunrises over the ocean like 
I'm in the wrong spot. I'm like, whatever's happened, like this is wrong. But I thought, no, and just sit down. And one of the things that Feather had said was like to connect to the land, just sit and lie on the ground, like get as much connection as you can. And the ground was so wet. It was winter and hills. But I did it anyway and just sat on the ground. And then the um, when the sun came up, it totally reflected off the off the exact mountain range that Feather had told us the the story about about how it was the goose the giant goose and the like the animals fighting and how that's the dead king and this is and it just like the whole sun just shone on that entire mountain range and I could see exactly what she'd talked about the night before and I was like okay this is why I had to come up with to see this and then I just opened I just like just surrendered I just at that point I just knew that it was going to be big and I was like I just I had a conversation with whatever whoever I don't know whoever was up there with me that I'm just open for it to be whatever it needs to be and again like yeah this was not nothing like this had ever happened to me like I'd never received guidance or anything like that but yeah it was undeniable Mm. so yeah and then you and then you went on to (laughs) <laughs> yeah, morning one. So you'd been there for a whole of 12 hours at this yeah. point. Yeah. Not even. Any, yeah. Not even. Yeah, that's right. Maybe 10, not even 10 hours. Um, and for any listeners that aren't familiar with the process that it is the Love Out Loud retreat, it follows a process of rites of passage. It's designed, well, the intention around retreat is for it to be an initiation into a completely new self i think this is such a beautiful story that sort of highlights that that intention coming to life so then you entered day two of retreat and day two of retreat is all about understanding um what's in your way the limitations the belief systems the blocks the things that you've made things mean and how that limits you from being able to be present and how are you at that point like receiving this information what, or when you said um, find the person in the room that you would just avoid <laughs> and that's going to be your buddy, I was like, oh, shit, because I, at the point, that point in my life, I would do anything to not have any conflict and to tell someone or just openly say to someone, I, I would avoid you was <laughs> I would ever do. Um, but interesting, I'm sure Nick won't mind me saying this, Nicole Schiller and I were like, both of us just straight away looked at each other and were like, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it just worked out that everything that really, and this was the lesson in it, obviously, that you knew that we were going to get, but mm. everything... Um, everything that we didn't like in the other person was exactly part of ourselves and the the synchronicities and the parallel lives that we have led up to that point like I cannot even like both our high school boyfriends played football and we both left high school moved to Sydney to to live with them to play so they could play professional football like we both left real estate career to do a nursing degree we both were separated with two kids both have horse racing and like it's like the detail of of the the parallel in our lives are just crazy, and so yeah, the one person that 
is supposed to trigger you has ended up one of my closest friends. So, um, but that was really challenging. That was that was the first day. Things like that. Um, I was I was pretty open to. I was pretty open to it and I could see how people, I'd done a little bit of personal development but nothing to that extent. Um, and then we did the breath work that afternoon, just like an intro to the breath work and it was very short. I want to say it probably went for about 11 minutes. It was like I was back up on the side of the mountain again. Yeah, it was 22 breaths. That was yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like. Was 22 breaths. Yeah. <laughs> it's like me. Five yeah. seconds and I'm in another universe. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, but yeah so that, that was really cool. And just um, starting to build relationships with the other people with, within the retreat mm. uh, on that first day. Nothing, I, I think maybe a lot of the things that you spoke about that day, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd known but I hadn't been able to really put words into it basically. But, yeah, like building the relationships with people over that first day, you just knew people really quick. But you really knew them. You didn't, like, 90% of the people we left not knowing what occupation they had, where they lived, um, you know, all the things that you'd usually know about people in a social setting. We didn't know any of that because it didn't matter. We just got to actually know the people. And then what about day three? So we died. And then I died again. So we we had ident- our identity death ceremony. That was really challenging. It was challenging for my own identity death. And I, I remember being really surprised because we um, we had quite a few people at the other end. Oh, well, you had to choose, you know, um, for those people that haven't experienced a retreat um, or a death ceremony, <laughs> um, you have the option to choose... Um, choose people to represent your future self in a way. And there was quite a few people that had chose me to be, to represent their future self for, for reasons. And I remember that was just really surprising hmm. um, and was probably one of, like, getting my head around that um, was probably, that was a big part of that day too. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what what was that? What were you struggling to receive in that? Oh, receive it all. I, I like why people would want to have, you know, what it was that they saw, and it, they they explained it. Um, but it was, I was just really surprised that people had seen that those attributes or whatever it was, the light, the I don't know what everyone had their own different perspective of it, but. Um, or reasons for it but yeah it was it was flattering but it was also a little bit confronting yeah because it was so different to your self-image yeah yeah definitely yeah mm. yeah yeah um yeah definitely and yeah and then especially for people you know I've I have lots of like I have quite a few like close friends but not not a massive group of you know, friends. So for people to have seen what my close friends see in me in a very short time was really beautiful. Yeah. What do you think it is about retreat that cultivates that? Well, it just, it drops everyone's um, walls and like you just very quickly, it's not about 
whether you're wearing makeup or what clothes you're wearing or like you just you don't have a chance to get into that superficial bullshit it's just actually down to um the people and why they you know why they what's made them the way that they are and how they how they view the world and yeah it's really beautiful and I just want to ask because I also want to finish the experience of retreat but that understanding that we can meet someone we've never met before in a place that is so deep and so genuine how has that carried through in your day-to-day life since that experience well it's still um it still happens and I just I don't actually um see people anymore like um <laughs> does that make that sounds ridiculous but what do you see <laughs> maybe no, stop there <laughs> you know um probably pre-retreat um I would like I don't I don't even notice if people have a nose ring or what type of clothes they wear or whether they have tattoos or whether they like that now I don't see any of that um I just like I see the person but nothing nothing that's nothing that I would have probably noticed or thought oh shit they've got those tats or oh shit you know like I just see a person um regardless of how they present themselves if they're angry if they're um sad like I all the rest kind of drops off and what do you look what are you looking for that allows you to see beneath well I'm not I'm probably not looking for anything I just give them the presence like even today when I got a coffee like just talking to the guy behind the counter like he's a person and not just a guy that's making me a coffee you know like it's um it's that whole interaction of not just responding like how are you good thanks how are you good and no one actually registering to what's being said you're just saying what you think should be said um, and it's, you know, when you go through the supermarket checkout, and they're like, hey, how are you? Like, I'm actually having a bit of a shit day. Like you see them jump back and not really, not used to people giving a correct answer, you know, something that's really heartfelt, you know, um, and just having genuine conversations even with people that you don't know. How's that improved your life? If it has. Oh, yeah, of course it has. Don't yeah. make assumptions. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, of course it has. It's just made me more open and it's made, it's improved other people's, you know, it's improved other people's experiences as well. Um, I think it, it makes you build relationships a lot quicker too um, when that shit's just dropped. Mm-hmm. So when you do meet people in a social situation, it's the walls aren't there anymore. And I don't see their walls anymore either, which is, which has been something that I hadn't realised would happen. If I drop you, my walls, I now don't see anyone else's. doesn't mean I'm like constantly crossing people's boundaries, but I just um, take people for what they are. Amazing. Okay, so back to retreat. On day four, and I'll just share a little bit about what was going through my head because this was such a beautiful experience for me to see your group and this group just really become family over these few days. This had been, you know, eight years of putting a philosophy and a framework together that I was finally sharing in such an immersive way with people. 
And um, I felt like I had met, you know, family members over that retreat as well. And I was in a bit of a process of um, building a new team. Love Out Loud was a very, very new um, concept, business, if you want to call it that. It's not really a business, but a new movement, um, you know, only a couple of months into its inception. And because the group was so amazing and they, I felt they could feel the philosophy so um, so deeply, I was sitting at the breakfast table thinking to myself, I should put it out to the group um, to see if anyone knows someone that would be a really great EA because I really need, I need one of them. That's going to be my next hire. And I was literally thinking this thought in my head as I got up from the breakfast table and had my hand on the door handle to go and set up the space when Kate comes and taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and the first thing she says to me is, this is going to be really random or maybe you get asked this all the time, but I just felt compelled to let you know that I have 15 years experience as an executive assistant. And if you're ever looking for someone, I'd love to, um, I'd love to apply or whatever you said. And it was the synchronicity of my thought and that showing up so instantaneously that diffuse like any kind of resistance in me to want to go through some sort of formal process or um to even interview you I was just like yes like that that moment was so perfect that it it's totally meant to be um but what was going through your head when you came up to me and and asked me that there, there'd been a few things that had happened over the weekend that had kind of planted the seed because um, we go through also, I suppose I've always been a little bit intuitive. Like I knew before and I'd said to friends, I'm going to quit my job before I go to the retreat, um, wow. expecting to leave the retreat with a job. But I said, when <laughs> I know that I'm going to, something really good's going to come along and I want to be able to just do it without having to, to leave my job beforehand, which was like at a gym, doing, like looking after memberships at the gym. Anyway, so I'd already left that job and a few things. So we go through a couple of the modules of service and purpose. And I just knew that my purpose was more and I really wanted to be able to give something back. And I saw the, like what the retreat had given to so many people. And I was like, I could, I'd really like to work for Love Out Loud. Um, and then, um, Adam was there and Adam had said to me as we were leaving one of the sessions, he just said, just really makes me want to quit my day job and work for Love Out Loud full time. And that kind of like clicked in my mind that, oh, shit, you can actually work for Love Out Loud. Like, oh, <laughs> like it hadn't even occurred to me. Um, so, that yeah, there was a few things that had happened. But I, it, it wasn't something I, I, I was the same. I was sitting at the breakfast table. I, was, I hadn't even said anything to my sister-in-law because I, it, it wasn't something that I was planning on doing. And I just thought, oh, and I don't think I'd actually even spoken to you for the whole retreat. Like we'd been in a group setting, but we actually hadn't had a conversation, just you and I for the whole, um, for the weekend. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't anything that you said, but yeah, it was just kind of, it was, I wouldn't, I couldn't put it down to any more than intuitive guidance, like just, do it like and you were never by yourself you always had so many people around you um so, and I just looked up and you were by yourself and it all just kind of went doo, 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 doo. okay <laughs> <laughs> now's the time yeah yeah 
Have you implemented that way of being a lot more since retreat of just feeling something and, and not questioning it, doing it? Oh, yeah. There's so many things that I've got no idea why I'm doing it, but I just I just know that I have to. And then it, mm. there's always, it's kind of funny, I just, I call it um, following the breadcrumbs now because it happens so often that I don't end, I just don't know where it's going to, but... I know that there's a reason for it. So, and I just stop questioning it. Mm. And um, people may think I'm crazy, but um, <laughs> all the best ones are. Yeah. But I just, um, I, my pendulum tells me what to do most of the time. Like, if I have, I'll just never go against it. And um, if I'm like questioning my intuition, I just ask my pendulum. And there are things that I prob- that I'm, I've in the past never would have even thought about having that as like a tool so and just for anyone that doesn't know a pendulum you can use a pendulum as a way to tap into the science of kinesiology so it responds to your body rather than your mind your body is guiding the the yes or no so just just for that context and that really you know coming into the body and out of the intellectual mind is allowing you to connect more deeply to your intuitive guidance I yeah. think such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful thing to start to recognize and realize, and put you in a bunch of really crazy situations, like becoming my EA as I was about to leave on a um, five-month international tour with no time to actually really get to know each other. Um, <laughs> so leaving and then being in an opposite time zone to one another. So then leaving retreat, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then stepping into that, what, so you changed so much, you know, that, that, I remember that was the one thing that stood out to me more than, you know, any, anything else, because there was so much magic around how that unfolded, there was so much synchronicity, but the thing that really left such an impact on me was you left retreat and you just kept doing the work. You kept up-leveling. You ended up doing a water fast. You integrated a breathwork practice daily. You stopped drinking. You just kept saying yes to the evolution and the development. So what was that in you that just kept leaning in? I didn't feel like I had a choice in it. Like it was, again, that intuition. Like I but I knew that there was a lot more trauma that needed to be released. I knew that um, there was patternings like that ran so deep with me um, that needed addressing. Um, and I could see, I could really clearly see I, you know, like the life I wanted and how I wanted to feel, but I knew I could see that there were just, there was quite a lot getting in the way of that. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't not deal with it. Like once you can see it, you can't unsee it. So great. So great. So what was the um what was that vision that you started to see that you were moving towards of your life? What shifted? What did you start to want for yourself that you had never wanted before? Um, it was like the the infinite possibility of just like you can have what you want really. And I don't I don't specifically want much. Um, but just being genuinely content and happy with where I am and what I have to me is, is what that was, you know, it wasn't, you know, owning a million dollar home or, um, it was, 
it was helping people. It was being really great and present for my kids um, and to really foster them to be able to, like, make it through their teenage years without, well, not without any issue, like, trouble, but to just put give them the tools that I knew. Like, I didn't want them to wait until they were 35 years old to learn the stuff either. So, like, to be able to give them those tools now as opposed to them, you know, it's like, for me, it's like I've also, I've also invested in shares in them and it's, you know, like, yeah, down the track that's probably, you know, that could pay off for them. But I've also, like, invested in their development too. Like a lot of it they don't know they're doing sometimes. But, you know, we also have a lot of conversations that most 10 and 12-year-olds don't have or don't aren't familiar with, you know. Um, so just broadening their horizons um, and allowing them to be able to self-regulate before they're 35. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I want to know, like, from, from that that moment of leaving retreat, becoming my EA, working for Love Out Loud, um, and just stepping fully into that, how was Love Out Loud initiating you? How did you start to notice Love Out Loud in those, say, first six months, infiltrating your life and um, causing you to see things in a different way, experience life in a different way? How did things shift? Um, the people that I was spending my time with um, and probably I, I, I never identified this until this conversation, but going back to that death ceremony, what people could see in me always has really surprised me um, as well. But um, how has it infiltrated? Well, it's infiltrated every way. Um, like a lot of people that I spend my time with has, has is now through um, meeting people through Love Out Loud. A lot of my friends and family have been to the retreat. My kids want me to go and talk to their teachers about Love Out Loud when after they've had, like, a bad day and things like that. <laughs> it, it's just infiltrated every in, yeah, a lot of different, nearly every different area really. There's so much that we've achieved together and with the rest of the team over the past year or so. What has been your most favourite project that we've executed on? Ah, gosh. It would have to be, and I I don't really, I don't know if it's one project per se, but um, around the start of COVID, everything that we did to just totally shift and change the business in such a short period of time um, and how we all worked together at the time just so cohesively and what we achieved in that was a very short period of time. It was like three weeks maybe. Once it um, worked out we weren't actually going to Bali, all moved into level 55 at the Mantra, um, did Master Heart online, facilitated training online and did the membership. Like that was, it was intense would be a, would be a word but yeah that would be my it because a lot of the time I was either just there like when you're away overseas you know it was very much a in the background support role but it was really cool to just be all sitting together in one room doing all the things together and working really cohesively as a team instead of like Mm. you overseas me here Jade at the Gold Coast, you know, like it was, it was really cool to just be all in together. Yeah. 
What's been your favourite moment? My dad at retreat makes me want to cry. Mm. Yeah, my dad at retreat and just um, him or just everyone else, all the other women that were there seeing in him what I see in him, which he's not used to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my favourite moment. Was there a specific moment out of the retreat? Um, no, I don't think so. It was probably on the, maybe on the last day when he went out on the balcony and I just saw, and he just did it so unassumingly. He's got a massive mm-hmm. heights. Even being in the penthouse was hard for him. And he didn't go out on the balcony. He specifically told me he wasn't going out on the balcony the whole time. Don't try and get him out there. <laughs> facing that fear so um and he just walked out there by himself on the last day without any hesitation mm. yeah but that was really beautiful they're always my favorite moments of love out loud yeah yeah those are just small subtle moments when you actually see the change in someone mm. maybe when they're not even realizing it themselves just how profound that is because love can make it feel so so much lighter and so much easier to face those yeah. those fears how about your favorite moment um in relation to you and what you you were experiencing or receiving I think it would be um because I have real issues with receiving obviously but at the end of every event when you get us in the middle and we just actually we're not allowed to talk (laughs) we just have to sit there and listen to what people say um it's taught me a lot about receiving and and the things that I it's enabled me to hear from people Mm. about their experiences and perceptions of me it's really yeah it's opened up a lot in me and it like it just really validates the um energy and time that I put in that it's also you know, it's also seen and acknowledged and um, which is really cool. Has there been a specific moment of receiving something or hearing something? I think our first facilitator training was um, was probably the biggest one for me. It's one that's like ringing through the most right now and it wasn't, it, like it wasn't specifically anything that any one person said, but it was really my first experience of that. And, um, yeah, it was nothing I'd ever, I'd ever felt before. Yeah. Mm. I love this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What has been your favourite moment witnessing a tribe member? Probably my, my brother at... Um, the retreat that he went to and um, yeah his his death ceremony or his just his experience of reconnecting to himself and um, even though yeah I'd say that that would be it yeah just him reconnecting through through breath work and then the 
death ceremony is so funny that we call it that. Um, and then, yeah, his death ceremony. There was things in that that really, that I felt really deeply. And watching him dance across the room was really cool. <laughs> yeah. mm. What was the feeling? What were you feeling? Uh, just really grateful that he was, he had had a horrific year. It was like the epitome of, you know, your saying of like hit by a feather, hit by a brick. Like he'd had the feather, he'd had the brick, he'd had the bus and he just wasn't seeing it. So, um, mm. and just in a really, really bad place. Um, yeah, and and for him to reconnect back to himself was, um, yeah, that was powerful. And just, I was just really grateful that he was, he was there and able to do that. What's been the hardest thing? Oh, that's easy. Being away from the kids. Yeah. Like when I've, um, yeah, just like for the amount of time that I've spent at the Gold Coast, just being away from them and the effect that that has on them. Cause I've like, I've never, I've never, their dad works away a lot. So they're used to him coming and going, but I've I've been like the the constant, basically. Um, yeah, and and the effect that it, that's had on them and me coming and going, like as much as they as much as they see, they fully believe in what I did and the work and everything like that. But you know, they're still yeah, it still affected them, and I I didn't know how much until. We started doing emotion code. <laughs> we're doing emotion code and finding out those trapped emotions that that they were having. It asked a lot, you know. Like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of commitment and determination, and um, there's a lot involved. There's always a lot to be done because we have a huge mission, right? And um, yeah, always like trying to balance that with being the mum that I wanted to be. Um, and that the kids deserved, yeah, that was, that was the hard part. Mm. Yeah. What, what does it ask? What does love it? What does being completely uh, devoted to this mission Yeah, that's Ah, oh, 100% commitment, like, um, because there's, there's just, it's constant. There's always so much, like we're always trying to do um, so many projects and events and initiatives and changes and, building systems, creating systems, um, you know, tribe are amazing. But as we grow, you know, there's, um, you know, there's more connections and wants from them too or requests or, um, you know, which is, which is exactly what it is and, and exactly why Love Out Loud is what it is because that's what we want. But um, as a as a mum like being on your computer like I'd be I just ended up getting up at like 4 30 or 5 a.m and trying to work before they woke up and um but yeah you can never have always have meetings when they're not around and yeah it it just it's it's just so much commitment and I loved every second of it yeah the most powerful choices can sometimes be the hardest yeah I think, I think though, once, like when I had the conversation with you though, because I was very upfront with you about it, um, like by the time I kind of 
had the conversation, my heart rate, because I was so used to what I would have traditionally called that a, a confrontational conversation, you know, um, but, or just because it wasn't, it wasn't just a nice, pleasant conversation, you know, it was, and it wasn't necessarily conflict at all, but I just, it wasn't a comfortable conversation that I would have been used to having, but my heart rate didn't even like increase telling you, you know, like it was, or talking to you about it was something that I just innately felt was the right thing for me at this time, even though it's, um, yeah, it's hard to walk away from. But, yeah. What would you say to a mum that maybe feels there's a massive purpose in them that they're wanting to pursue and they, they have the same conflict? Oh, I think you can do it. Like you can entirely do it. It just needs the balance Um, and it shouldn't be at the detriment to yourself. I think um, that kind of occurred to me at one point too was like as much as I believe in love out loud and what we do, it's, it's, it's not, um, my vision, you know, like it's yours. And um, when, and I fully, I fully believe in your vision and I think that it's beautiful. Um, and would, would I work? I would, yeah, I would work as hard for my own vision, definitely. Um, but I think it's, it would be easier to manage if it was, if it was my own, you know, um, not so much. Yeah, have more control over it, have more control over the output required, you know. Um, yeah, because, yeah, I think not there's very few people, if any, in the world with brains like Nicole Gibson. And, <laughs> yeah, it can be difficult to keep up with, Yeah. But I think, yeah, as as a mum, like it's definitely it's doable. It's doable. After this past year and a bit, do you do you believe that there's such a thing as shared vision? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah, for sure. And when, what what do you feel it takes to be able to be in in shared vision fully, from a place of empowerment for all? What have been your biggest learnings around what that truly takes? To be honest, it it for me it, it should have been to have um, just stronger boundaries of what I was continually saying yes to. Like I was I was taking on a lot um, because there just wasn't anyone else there to do it, mm-hmm. or uh, everyone else their you know their workload was already so full, you know. Um, so it should have been, like for me personally, I can't talk for anyone else, but for me personally it, it would have been to just to have stronger boundaries of what what I was um, open to be doing. But it was, it was also part of the role, you know, and that was I think a really big part of the conversation that we first had about this was like it, it just needs someone like this role specifically with my role, it needs someone that has the capability to do that to like always just be there and do the things. Um, 
yeah, and it just is just not something that I could keep doing. Or I could, but it wouldn't have been good for me, you know. For sure. What's yeah. been your biggest lesson overall? What's been your biggest takeaway? Like in 20 years, if someone asked you about um, the time you worked for Love Out Loud, what would be the thing that you shared? That life doesn't, it taught me that life doesn't have to be difficult. Like life can be easy and simple and content and happy and empowering and connecting. Has it been love out loud in a way that's taught you how to make this empowered choice for yourself? Oh, of course. Like spending time in those love out loud containers is like you can't not up level. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. And it's and the people, like it's it's been the events, it's been the philosophies, it's you know, it's been yourself, the team, like the entire experience um has you know accelerated my growth so much you know like I think for what I even look at photos from like two years ago even two years ago I don't even look like the same person let alone 10 years ago you know um yeah like the growth that has happened in such a short period of time um yeah you know whether I say it's because of love out loud or just the people and the experiences yeah definitely Hmm. when did you start to know that it was time to to change I think it would have been probably the end of August so July was pretty massive just to to give everyone oh we had like the pre-COVID and then all the COVID stuff where we all pivoted, which was beautiful. And then we had probably really four solid months of a lot, hey, and July specifically was a lot. Um, and for me personally as well, um, like I mentioned dad at retreat in July, that was massive. And we also had Master Heart, that event. Um, and there was, yeah, there was, it was a lot of intensity in July and I knew that I needed to come home and just reconnect and I spent August doing that and I knew like I was just doing the bare minimum really we didn't have any events coming up like I was getting things done but there wasn't there wasn't a huge a huge ask and um, or a huge like need to just be working all the time and I knew that that was going to have to change very soon because it was yeah it had been enough time of that and I knew that I needed to like get back into drive and my body just didn't want me to do it like yeah my body was just saying no yeah so that was when that was um that was when I started to know and then I'd I tried, I tried to like step back in a little bit and it just, yeah, it was just a really strong no from my body, whether it was my nervous system too, I don't know, but I just from dropping and just regrounding and spending time in nature and 
reconnecting and to my home and the kids and yeah, to, to step back in was just, it was like there was a barrier there and I couldn't get through it to get back in, you know. Mm. So what's the dream? <sighs> well, at, yeah, at the moment I'm starting like a little, I'm going to finish my university degree, which will be cool. Um, and I'm starting a little band business at the moment which is a little side thing um where I'm just basically going to hire out some really cool bands so that people can just go and experience band life without the hassle of owning a band um and yeah I, I just don't know I just am okay with that I'm just trusting again like that something whatever it is is going to just present itself in whatever way is meant to I don't yeah I'm just kind of trusting that really yeah I don't yeah what is the one thing that you'd love the community to um to keep doing to support you in your journey or to do to support you oh just don't lose touch like I'll still come down for the circles and like I'm yeah don't lose touch and I want to be able to still see how everyone's growing and staying with each other and um you know I'm not disappearing anywhere and I'm still going to be around and love everyone just as much as I did when I'm in the role you know what would you say to someone that um is still being hesitant about their starting their journey of living a love-based life? Uh, I understand it can be really difficult. Like there's uh, your body and your mind can put up a lot of barriers as to as to what could go wrong or why you shouldn't. Um, you know, even I, I would say just go along to a circle would be my recommend. If you're, you know, if you don't know if you want to do a retreat or a, yeah, I would just say go along to a circle and experience it if you're in the Gold Coast, yeah. And yeah. if you're overseas? <laughs> um, if you're overseas. Um, yeah, jump on, listen to the podcasts and jump in the community group. Um, and you just, you get a sense of the community through there, yeah. After this experience, what does leadership mean to you? Well, it's very different. Leadership used to be very authoritative for me. Um, but, yeah, that's changed. It's it's more about um, still, you know, knowing that you need to make decisions that affect other people and that it doesn't, it doesn't need to be authoritative. Um, and it certainly, like, for me, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do a nine-to-five job ever again. <laughs> Amen. Mm-hmm. What's been the hardest part about my leadership? Ah, oh, it's hard, but it's also the probably the one thing that I've had the much most growth into, Nick, um, is just your directivity, like how direct you are. And, and it goes back to me having conflict, you know, um, 
not not liking conflict, but I don't even see it as conflict anymore. Like I remember we had a phone call with someone a few months ago and um, and afterwards you messaged me and said, sorry if I came across too assertive then, but this was the reason. And I was like, I didn't even know that you were. Like the way that, and that's really rubbed off on me and my communication style too. Like it's really showed me, it's probably been the hardest, especially when I didn't know you very well and and you were overseas, like for those to be our only interactions, you know, as much as we'd start every conversation with a check-in or or whatever to still um, to still be in that mode of communication was mm. difficult. But, um, yeah, now it's just taught me so much about my own communication and how I really didn't communicate clearly or concisely. Um, and probably still have a way to go with that too. Um, but it's given, it's taught me a lot. Yeah. Do you think it's important for leaders to be uh, directive, clear? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I also think though, um, very much we can, and this, and this is, just, I'm only saying this because it showed up this week and it's, and it's about <laughs> leaders but also conversation. Like just you can have in your mind what you think the conversation was mm. and the other person can have an entirely different point of view and neither of you necessarily have to <laughs> are right or wrong, you know. So yeah. I think um, even after verbal conversations, like really important, like as much as it's annoying is to just confirm it, you know, send a message and say, hey, um, just to confirm, blah, 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 just so then everyone knows they're on the same page. But, mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely important to communicate clearly and concisely. What's been the best part of my leadership? Ah, oh, just the cool shit that we get to do together in our <laughs> conversations, like... This is my first podcast. I'm not even nervous. Like I think it's just because it's with you. I'm sweet, you know. Mm. Um, what? Yeah, what we've accomplished together. What we've um, our relationship that we've grown through it through like the last year and a bit. It's been really beautiful. Um, just getting to know each other outside of CEO and EA. Um, which we were for a very long time because you were away so much and we were only just work. So, yeah, no, that's been that's been really cool. A message to anyone else on the team? The circumstances and the environments that we live in, it, it's not normal for many people and the intensity that we get to know each other and grow with each other. Not many people experience that in this life or any other. And, yeah, the people that we've got to do that with, the ones that, you know, are still with Love Out Loud now and the ones that are no longer, like, they're bonds that you can never, they can never be broken at all. Like, yeah, it's hard to put into words. Do you believe that Love Out Loud is going to reach its vision? Hasn't it already? (laughs) Good answer. 
And what does what does that world look like? Oh, for you, <laughs> what my day is, but for everyone, everyone. Mm. Yeah. How is the world? How is the world? Oh. Just not sweating the small things, knowing that anything is possible, knowing that like standing in a queue for five minutes longer than you think you should is not a problem. You know, the example that you use is like road rage and flipping the bird if someone cuts you off, you know, none of that is there. It's just genuine connection, interactions, experiences, but but also really honest ones too and you know people having their needs met needs met and you know communicating with each other in a mutually respectful way um and having a really fucking good time while they're doing it and living life yeah having a really fucking good time yes <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Mm. Kate, we love you so much, which you know. And, yeah, like you say, there's really no words. But the beginnings that we've built together for this vision and this mission that really I think is bigger than all of us, and that's what Love Out Loud continues to teach me is, this is a vision for a completely different way of life. And the thing about pioneering something is it's you're on the leading edge. Everything that you do, everything that you choose is is defining what it looks like. And you've been such an integral foundational, absolutely essential part of that. And you are so in what love out loud is and through the hearts of all of the people that have had an opportunity to meet you in person and online through all of our trainings, like thousands and thousands of people. And I know they're going to be feeling probably what I'm feeling when they listen back to this. I've done my best to just get through it all and to ask you all the questions and to give you the, the space that, you know, Really, we need 10 hours, but the space that you deserve. My greatest wish that uh, for this episode is that as you are celebrated into this new chapter and initiated into the next phase of, of your journey, that people get to hear your legacy and they get to hear your lessons and your insights and um, the things that you've learned and the things that you've struggled through and the things that you've stepped up to and the courage that you've demonstrated and, and the leadership that you that you are. So for any community members that have had the opportunity to be graced with Kate's beautiful presence, I'm just going to request something of you as you listen to this episode. <laughs> I want you to find Kate, um, whether that's on Facebook or if you have her WhatsApp, whatever the easiest way, or maybe even her email, um, and I want you to write an acknowledgement, the favorite moment that you've had with her or the, um, the memory that stuck out the most or something that you see in her so that you can venture into this next chapter and have all of that be there with you, holding you, supporting you. This isn't an end. It's just a new, new chapter. 
And Love Out Loud is a continually growing movement, which is about us making empowered choices for ourselves. I see this as the spirit of law working through you, not you taking a step back from it. Um, and I just, I so celebrate you in that. And I celebrate you for making these choices for you and for the boys and to build that loving unit. <laughs> yeah, is love out loud. I just thank you for being that, that change in the world. Thanks, babe. Mm. Thank you. And thank you for everything that's like the last year and however long it's been. It's, been a total roller coaster. I wouldn't change a second of it at all. It's yeah, I've been just so inspired and motivated and moved and by the the lives that we've touched on and and helped in some way and you know, probably to the extent that we'll never know. And to work with you and the team has just yeah, it's life-changing, life-saving, really. It's, thank you. I love you. I love you. Out loud. Out fucking loud. <laughs>